greetings and welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a sometimes funny, trying to be smart podcast covering all things new and classic Trek. I'm your long-winded, speech-loving captain, Mariah Gossett, and with me on the view screen, we have... Oh, Clyde, you've muted yourself. I do that from time to time. It's Clyde Haynes. You want the (laughs) truth? You can't handle the truth. Can't handle the truth. And yeah. Judge Advocate, pause to touch it. There we go. Uh, I, I, I'll sell for that. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, tonight, if you haven't picked up on it, we will be discussing the second episode of season two of Strange New Worlds, Ad Astra Per Aspera, uh, directed by Valerie Weiss and written by Dana Horgan. Um, but just a few reminders. First, um, Paul, can you tell people where they can find the podcast or share yeah. it? Hey, guys, you can subscribe to our podcast at Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. All links are at Star Trek pod.co and if you love our content and we hope you do uh please consider joining our patreon for just two dollars per episode at patreon.com slash star trek pod indeed i think i think that's pretty good you did it paul you made it the whole way through i had to get myself genetically modified in order to to do that (laughs) like you know it's gonna impact my uh application to starfleet but like don't Mm. worry about it paul's a moddy well worth it um clyde if folks are um hanging out with us tonight in the live on youtube how can they interact with us telepathy just think it Mm -hmm. and we'll know what you're saying no seriously if you are watching us live on youtube and you have a comment a question you just want to say hi what's up like uh ann marie in the chat all you need to do is type capital p capital o capital d capital pod and we will take a look at your question or your comment. We may even read it live on the show. And when that special times comes up, you'll know what it is. Just type capital H, capital F, capital HF, and we'll take a look at your thoughts in general about this week's episode. Indeed. All right. Well, I think it's time to hit that bell twice. Ding, ding. AKA the Star Trek. Dun, dun. Um, and get dun, dun. ready for right. some... Hot freaks! Hot freaks! Hot freaks! Indeed. If this is your first time joining us, uh, also welcome. Um, yeah, we don't do hot takes here. We do some hot freaks. So, um, Clyde, what was your hot take, hot freak about this episode? Loved, loved, loved this episode. Um, I mean, man, little bit of a Law and Order take little bit of a uh, uh, Star Trek, no Harry Kim, but uh, that's just a Voyager reference because it feels like Harry Kim was always on trial. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I really love this. I mean, I thought it was done really, really well. Um, I The first time through, I just couldn't stop. I was like really on the edge of my seat. I feel like we got some background um, on Una on this world that we've we've been in and i always appreciate a good star trek episode that forces me to go dig deep into the research over at memory alpha and go okay i need to brush up on my eugenics war and understand why this was such a big deal so i really enjoyed this episode and a nice little twist at the end so uh yeah one of my favorite episodes since we've begun Kind of this new series, uh, the the new series. I, I really did enjoy it. Paul, thoughts? Well, I mean, obviously, this is the worst episode since you know ever, right? Like you know, uh, no, I think the episode's great. Uh, 
I think it's a uh, uh, a good uh, testimony of that. A good what do you call it? Uh, successor to Measure of a Man uh, in uh, in TG uh, in TNG with uh, Data when Data was on trial. I think this is a very like it, it ranks up there with that, and I think a Measure of a Man is probably top ten episodes of all uh, TNG. Yeah. So like you know, I think it's really like it's always really good to see a good moral debate about like you know the status of humanity because you know <laughs> like what is a person like you know what's right what's wrong mm. all because because that's ultimately what all star trek is right you know some some version of like hey we can do better and in this episode they literally say it <laughs> yeah i was I, I, <laughs> to jump in i was like the literally the last like big metaphor they jump in uh is like Star Trek shows us the future is possible. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, we'll get into it. But um, was that your, your yeah, 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 yeah. Like thirty seconds. I don't. Uh, I don't take these like forty-five second hot freaks like fly. <laughs> I like. I stick to the. <laughs> um, as much as we all loved Mike, Mike used to go on for quite a few a few minutes for his hot freaks. <laughs> um, so I always like to check in. But yes, my um, hot freak is first of all um, Nira. Uh, who is performing, uh, the performer by, uh, Yatide, um, Badaki. I think that's how you say their, uh, her last name, but, um, incredible, incredible guest star as Nira. Um, I think it's my hottest break, those shoulder pads, incredible. Um, I think this was a very classic Trek court room episode. There are some really great performances. Um, I don't know if it'll be one that I go back to, to rewatch over and over again, but I thought it did, um, what it needed to do, and I enjoyed the I enjoyed the ride. So yeah, I I was here for it. Yeah, I, I would agree, Mariah. Like I, I so I've watched it a, a couple times now. The first time, like I said, edge of my seat. It was great. The second time through, I was like, this is good, but I know what's going to happen. And so that's the the tough part with these like whodunit mystery court episodes is when you have the big reveal, especially when it hit you like it hit me. Mm-hmm. It, I, you know it and it's like oh okay well this is good and i really did enjoy it the second time through but that oh how are they going to get through like what's going to happen because i i think one of the things that was great about this is until the end i, I don't know about you guys i didn't know what was going to happen like they looked like they were on the ropes i mean she was attacking everybody like i was like mm-hmm. i mean pike's going down and she's gone after april like how is this gonna tie together and then they they did it in a way that I was like, dang, that was yeah. good. It was a good mic drop at the end there. Yeah. Um, I did just want to say, because we're going to be having this discussion about like, uh, like you're saying, Clyde, like I dug into like the Star Trek lore of the eugenics world and all of these things. And I just wanted to say that like, obviously eugenics and augmentation that removes diversity, people with disabilities is uh, not okay. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to toss that out there. Uh, because oh, I'm glad you said it, Mark, because I was wondering. I was wondering, like, what kind of captain am I following here? Like, you know. Yeah, I was like, they're using this metaphor, you know, for a multitude of representation, which we'll get into. And I enjoyed the way that they wove that and how they used. I, I thought Una's testimony was like a very powerful message. Ultimately, was like a really great way to kind of signify and hold that mirror up to what's happening right now. But I've definitely seen a lot of like um, Trek Trek fans with disabilities being like, "Oh no, not again!" Like we're here, we're here for this discussion. Um, and so I just wanted to put that at the top that like 
you know, I'm not saying like, yes, we should uh, justice for, for eugenics. That's not what I'm here to say at all. So just to put that down at the top, but uh, to dig in, I do think it was a very effective um, metaphor to lose, to use the Illyrians, I will say, not mm-hmm. eugenics and not <laughs> augmentation. We can just um, stop saying eugenics. eugenics. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> I do think they're using the Illyrians as a very interesting metaphor, um, like specifically for what's happening right now um, for trans people and bands that are happening and people being forced to back to go back into the closet or back into the darkness, not living as themselves. I thought there's also a lot of smart um, metaphors and both visual and um, in the dialogue around uh, anti-Semitism and some of the uh, uh, parallels that they drew, you know, between um, Nazi Germany and then, you know, also currently the laws that are preventing people from getting rightful asylum here in the U.S. So just to toss that all out here at the top. Just a light little episode, you know, just just, just, watch, you know. just a light peppering. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, now that all of that is sort of out of the way, I wanted to start out by talking about the relationship between Pike and, and Una and, and kind of how that both starts and ends the episode, right? Is this like ability to go out and get the best lawyer for Una, but then Una, you know, is having to really toil at the end with if she's going to essentially get Pike in trouble as she's on the stand. And so I wanted to see Paul, what you thought about um, uh, Clyde will be right back for those watching um, uh, the live stream. But yeah. What so did you I, mean, think? I mean, I think like, you know, like I think the two of them have a very strong bond, right? They, uh, they're, they're super friends, they're family. And you know, like we talk about that a lot, you know, like Una is family and like, and though Laan says it, like, you, you know, that, it's Pike, right? Pike is the person who's like, you know, she's my sister. I'll do anything for her kind of thing. And then I think that's really good. And like, you know, and they all, and Una like ultimately wants to protect him uh, with the reveal of that she turned herself in. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that, that, that that's actually even more important because like if she's doing this gambit kind of thing, like, you know, then, you know, for Pike to be caught up in the wake that that would be unacceptable. Yeah. And I I think, you know, I was a bit on the edge of like what's going to ultimately happen, especially because they did. I thought the moment between Pike and April and then um, April and the rest of the court and how like he is someone who is like, I've had to use these judgment calls. Like, yes, the rules have to bend and ultimately leadership is the one who has to take that. So I thought it was a smart like pre set up at the beginning of the court case to then get to the end. Well, she's the best one of the best civil rights lawyer in the, in the quadrant, at least mm-hmm. in probably galaxy. So, you know, well, she, let me, let, let me ask you this, Paul. Uh-oh. Did you, th- did you think that, <laughs> that I um, could handle so you, the truth? No, no, no. no. You, I, know, I know you can handle the truth, but you mentioned like the reveal that Una turned herself in. Did mm-hmm. you think for a second, did you think that Leon, Leon, Leon. did it? No, because Leon would have known that she had done it. Like, you know, she was, I, I think, and, and as opposed to, like, maybe I did it. Uh, I think I think that for me, like, you know, although it works for the episode, I think, like, I don't really know why Una did it. In the sense that, like, you know, she can have her own reasons that are off camera. But, like, in season one, I don't see her struggling with it. So, like, you know, I, so all of a sudden it becomes this big twist at the end of season one where, oh, I got caught in. But, like, that would have meant that 
she goes like, oh, I, I, I turned my, you know, I, I leaked my identity out. Like, and we see none I, of that. So, yeah, I mean, I, to me, it felt like she was like, well, one, I thought like they did a good job of her being like, I finally was done living mm-hmm. in the dark, right? Like mm-hmm. I needed to be my whole self, which I think sure. is um, a good enough character reason. But I think the other one for me that was compelling was that she essentially was out to both Lon, Leon, Laon. <laughs> La I was like, if I read it, I mess it up. <laughs> yep, same here. <laughs> uh, and I think once she was out to her and then also to Pike, it's like then it's like how long before they get in trouble, right, for concealing the secret. Mm-hmm. And so I think sure. that is when that ticking clock really started for Nina. No, I, I, I hear you. And it's just I didn't get to see her struggle 100%. with that. So yeah. so so that, that's if I just saw like in one episode, maybe the what's it called? The the Gorn episode, like, you know, with the aliens going up to like just just one episode where yeah. she's like going, oh, crap, uh, I need to deal with this. And then she. And then I see it, but like, I, I, mean, I didn't I think, see it. Oh, the episode where the warp core is malfunctioning and she essentially has to absorb it all. To, and, mm-hmm. and that's when um, uh, she's out to Leon. Like it's to me, that is when that kind of starts. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like she can kind of see that it's become um, an issue for her. Like their friendship, mm-hmm. I think then had a, a moment of distrust. And I think that was for part sure. of that motivation for sure. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I want to be very careful about using the term out because I think that's a powerful word and I want to reserve it for a powerful place. But mm-hmm. th- there is this sense of whole self, right? And being right. authentic and genuine. And, you know, you know, in, in the workplace, we always talk about, can you bring your whole self to work? And to which I say, no, never. No, but, never, never. But the idea... <laughs> safeguard yourself. <laughs> the, the idea, the hope, that you know that desire to want to bring your whole self to 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 wherever whatever room you're in that to me is one of those things that we look at in star trek and go it's so aspirational that that's where we want to be and and so i get like i i did feel and i've long thought about that episode where she had to you know you've got this warp core breach and she's got to save people like she's she's got to say do i do I disclose what mm-hmm. I have in order to save people, right? Knowing what it means. That to me was very Star Trek. And so this desire to want to go, hey, I, I want to, I want people to know me, especially as I think, you know, the ship, I, I much like, you know, much like a Voyager or TNG, it feels like we came together with the enterprise as they were new mostly Mm. right and we're at that point in season two where it's a bit like their family Mm -hmm. and she's going hey if this is really going to be my family like if we're gonna we're out here on a five-year journey you know which is never a five-year journey it's Mm -hmm. like a three-hour tour it's never a three-hour tour you you want to be you you don't like it takes a lot of energy to hide who you are Right, like unless you have yeah. a per- perfect cloak like me, I'm just saying, like <laughs> yes, I when I go to work every day, I show up and I look very professional, but I get tired of hiding the fact that I was playing Drake very loud in my car before I before I stepped into the parking lot. No, no, I like can't I just be me? Mm. No, no, nope, <laughs> but uh, to 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 bounce off that, uh, I totally understand her desire to be forward with who she is but why does she have to wait till someone like you know like 
got her to say it in court that she turned herself in. She could have just turned herself in. There's all this, like, you know, as far as the dramatic reason, I don't truly understand why uh, it took Nira to go, like, you know, to get her to basically, I turned myself in. Like, why didn't she just do it from the very beginning? Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't understand that logic right now. Yeah, I mean, I understand it from a storytelling perspective. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, I, I get this as a writer, but yeah, no, I agree for the character motivation. It is interesting that um, she, while she did turn herself in, she chose not to disclose that as part of her reasoning of like, this is this is why I am the Starfleet mm-hmm. officer that I am. Right? I do think it mm-hmm. it adds to her character, but it did. It was the nice cherry on top. It was no, like no, the no, perfect. No. No, I, I get it. Like, I, 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 I was long for the ride. I mean. Like I watched it like thrice, and uh, and when you on the third watching, like you know, like you go like, oh, people are just walking into rooms, yelling at each other, and then walking out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you're in it for the conflict, but like you know, like mm-hmm. what was that? Well, I thought you were in for the platform, blah blah mm-hmm. blah, and I'm out. <laughs> yeah, although I did I, I did appreciate some of these smaller moments in the episode that gave us some like glimpses into the other characters as well as a little bit of levity because this episode was very heavy both in dialogue. You know, there's there's no action, there's no pews, there's no f- uh, fighting. It's all just fighting of wits, right? That's right. Like um but I loved the cafeteria scene. 100%. Fa- my oh. favorite scene Sp- uh, Spock and uh, what's his name? Uh, uh I wrote down his name. Admiral uh Javis. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, so yeah, uh, I thought that was great. I thought that was the funniest thing. Like Erica and Madanga, oh, sorry, uh, the doctor, <laughs> you know, uh, just Benga, yeah, yeah, uh, just hanging out. Uh, and I was going like, oh my god, this is totally what I would be doing, you know, at a cafeteria or watching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's- I- Ortega's being like, oh, yeah, that like mimicry was like yeah, so right. funny and a hundred percent. Yeah. Like when you're stuck on a starship with these people for years on end, you're just yeah. like, oh, I have worked on this impression. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, 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 I made so many impressions of you, Mariah. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank oh, you yeah, that's right. Like, you're like, oh, there she is. She's going to murder. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but in the same thing, like the moment between, um, you know, Pike and Battelle, uh, when, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, oh, I know you'd hate giving long winded speeches. That's and, right. um, and then Pike and April as well, uh, when April comes in and Pike's like trying to kind of be like, I'm really sorry, I've put you in this position. And I brought in this like lawyer who might take down your entire career. Whiskey? No? Okay. I'll just drink this all myself. <laughs> That's right. He pours himself. Well, that, that point where, uh, where like, you know, what you call it, Patel and uh, Pike were talking, and, like, you know, Pike was talking about his, uh, uh, like, the speech, blah, blah, blah. Like, my wife was watching with me. She's like, what the hell are you doing? You're giving your ammo. You're giving your ammo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the interesting thing to me about all of that was it's the fact that how where we are in in the trek like timeline mm-hmm. it so it's almost funny to us because you're looking at them freak out about you know well you're you're defying you know rule number one like this is everything this is like the prime directive and you're going against it and we sit back and laugh because if you think about our trek history right like we've seen we're millennia ahead and we know man april you're just the first like of everybody, many, like every of captain many, of this of ship. every captain, like, <laughs> and basically when she read out your list, it's like, ah, 
that's pretty good. Like, you're pretty tame. I mean, just wait, because when Kirk comes along, he's going to throw it all out the window. So not to mention the others. So it's, it was interesting for me to see, like, wow, they were really freaking out about this thing that's not going to matter very soon. Yeah, but it's always, you know, it's always one of those things where you have to, you have to have the rule so that it can be broken or like right. bent because like if you don't have that rule then like then you have the klingon war for example that, that, that's that's mm-hmm. you know that's how they described it yeah um some stuff from the chat here fire sign 331 says pod it was a strong moment when ahura stood up to lawn i agree i yeah. was like good job uh first year ensign <laughs> standing mm-hmm. up to your chief of security um but in I a thought, good way though the way she 100%. did it was fantastic respectful yeah, I, I appreciate it. it. was kind of funny, though, on the second watch, I realized, like, you know, they'd get all the, the reaction shots of them all, like, watching the courtroom drama mm-hmm. on their TV. I was like, oh, it's like we're watching them watching them watching. It was like a weird meta moment. But um, I, I liked getting to see everyone's sort of, like, emotional stakes in it and the side glances and the looks. It did feel like there was a lot of, like, we're going to cut to chapel anytime Spock is yeah, on I- screen. Yes, I, I feel yes. bad for Chapel because she had no lines in this. Absolutely no lines in this that's episode. Right, that's right. I mean, even Spock didn't have very many lines. I mean, he told a joke. I just, I guess to me, I was a little disappointed because they're all sitting there watching this courtroom drama. And I'm thinking, no popcorn? Like, <laughs> like if you were, re- like, if we were really doing this, you wouldn't just be sitting there like this. Even if it's your friend, you'd be like, especially something this entertaining, you'd be like, I mean, it, but to them, it's not really entertaining, right? It's like them watching potentially their friend and their first officer get thrown to 20 years in a penal colony. Like, True. I'm which, still going for the but, popcorn. But, but so Clyde, if you're ever on trial for, you know, 20 years. To, yeah. And I, the I next will, season of Jury Duty will show up. And uh, we'll I will definitely like, Clyde, don't worry. I'm here. Hey, I, I want you to be full at your full strength. So you That's get right. your munchies on and you make sure that you don't, you know, collapse, ha- drink some water. Like, be ready to That's come right. to my defense. That's all I'm saying. That's right. Every time you say something and you're done, I go, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> I um, I did like, there was something, uh, what's also fun about Strange New Worlds is getting the, to see them sort of rewrite the pre-Kirk history, right, in a way that we haven't seen. And so I appreciate that we've now fully cemented Admiral April as a previous captain of the Enterprise, because that also means... For all of those people who, quote unquote, hate that Trek is woke, which I'm like, have you watched Trek ever before? Um, That means, you know, the previous captain was uh, a a black man in charge of the Enterprise. Oh, I think you say a bald man. I was like, oh, yeah, very progressive. (laughs) Very progressive, yes. Um, But anyway, I I saw some chatter online that were like, heck yeah, way to like really cement it into the canon. (laughs) They can't remove it now. Like, (laughs) I mean, eh. Eh. Let me know when I like him. Like right now, mm. he's the best thing about him is that he recommended Una. Okay. I'm still on the fence about April. You're on right? the fence he, about everyone until they die. And then all of a sudden, oh, I was no. always, I was always, uh, what's his name? What's I mean, his name, again, his name oh, is Shaw. I like Shaw. Are we April Sus uh, <laughs> banner worthy? Is a little bit. Happening? Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not quite saying that he's sus. Because mm-hmm. to be honest, I'm going to give him some, uh, he gets, he gets points automatically for being a former uh, captain of the Enterprise. Like mm-hmm. that alone, I'm like, okay. Like you're working in the positive, 
right now, are you a great captain of the Enterprise? Because the rest of the captains of the Enterprise have been pretty outstanding. Right. Like, where are you in that li- lineage, right? Like, are you the forefather? Or are you just a dude? Yeah, so. it's to get some flashback episodes, I think, to see Admiral April with, um, you know, like a, a younger pike and like young una you know i I think that could be kind of cool to see some of that um in the series i did want to oh i did think it was uh, well okay where do i want to go here i want to talk about nira who was maybe one of the strongest guest stars we've had in the series thus far besides maybe um uh captain um our pirate captain oh yeah uh from last season now Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be really sad i'm blanking on her name um, but yeah, I really enjoyed her performance. Also her out, all the Illyrian outfits and makeup were insane and incredible. <laughs> I was like, I need every ensemble. I need every outfit. I need to learn how to do that crazy winged eyeliner. I've never wanted to do cosplay in my life until I saw these Illyrian, these lawyer Illyrians. <laughs> Um, Angel, Angel, thank you. Thank That's you. right. Too. I was like, I wanted to say Captain April, and I was like, no, it's not April. We just talked about April. So Captain Angel, yes. Besides Angel, I think Mira is maybe one of my favorite guest stars we've had. I thought she did just an incredible job. And also I found it um, you know, a lot of her speeches were really moving and convincing. She always looked like she was like on the edge of just like an emotional outburst, but keeping it so just under the surface. And I really appreciated the performance. What did y'all think of Nira? I, I thought she was great. I go like, uh, like I, I was very, I don't want to say proud of myself. Cause I shouldn't be proud. Like, 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 is that a Nigerian accent? And then, you know, I, Oh yeah, she is Nigerian. Yeah. And, and I was like, <laughs> I, I did it. <laughs> Uh, and so, but like, I thought that accent was really interesting because it felt, uh, it's not a common accent for me. So I go like, mm. oh, it, it feels different in a way that I'm not familiar with. Mm-hmm. And I, and for like, you know, a different planet, like, you know, I, I thought that was really interesting. And she, and she was just, she was very, you know, deliberate and uh, precise with her thoughts in a way that was like, really, like, it was great to see, like, you know, everyone's on their on their heels dealing with her large personality and intellect. I thought that was really, I thought it was really fun. I think she was really fun. Had a lot of presence. I I loved it. I thought she was a boss. And one thing that I really appreciated was she shows up as counsel and dominated the Federation. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing about like, as much as, these courtroom dramas are all always interesting. It's always homegrown internal, like people who aren't lawyers, who aren't counselors, like, you know, well, we're really smart. We're engineers and we're scientists. So we're going to go in here and we're going to mount a defense and we're going to win. Right. And this was somebody who came in externally and beat the Federation. Like you don't see that very often. Um, And so everything about her from the moment she stepped on screen the Illyrians, by and large, were just, it, it had a certain gravitas, a mm-hmm. certain command. And I was like, I like this, right? The Federation isn't the, like the, the most perfect society in the galaxy. Like, you've got these other, this other um, group that's doing a fantastic job. You know, like she, yeah. she comes in with the, you know, with the attitude of like, you know, you guys ain't all that. And, yeah. And, and, and she's correct. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I appreciate it. And I like that they were like, you know, we understand that the Federation isn't perfect and that progress is slow and incremental, which I also appreciated in this. You know, it didn't become like, you know, it could have been really easy to write this as like this big storybook Mm -hmm. groundbreaking moment, but then that wouldn't actually um, work either um, because forward into into canon right like we eventually see Bashir have to deal with this as well in Deep Space Nine but I I think it could be easy to be like oh this was this big one court case for Illyrians like blah 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 which is what I thought they were potentially setting up because that's how a lot of like big groundswell civil rights cases are won now right it's Mm -hmm. like oh who's this model citizen that we can use as this example Mm -hmm. to get the rights of, of more people moved forward. Right. So I, I, I appreciated that they were like, Oh no, this is this one case. And unfortunately, like the conversation is going to have to continue. Right. So and I thought, I thought that was a smart choice. Yeah. It's uh, I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's, it, I hate to say it, it preserves Canon. Sorry, Mariah. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fine. <laughs> I was like, we're going to have to have the Canon conversation. It's like, uh, yeah. But, but like, you know, it's always very interesting to me, like, you know, when I see someone who challenges the Federation as far as, uh, what you call it, their ideals. Like, you know, for example, you, you take the Dominion or the Klingons or uh, the Romulans, like, they all have, like, the Kardashians particularly, they all have a different way of approaching society, mm-hmm. you know, and you might not agree with them, but, you know, for them, they're like, oh, here's an alternative way of, you know, of of dealing with billions of people. But like she comes in with this sense of like, you are failing at your own principles. And, and, and I think that's a really interesting, I haven't seen that before. You're like, you, you, you say you are this, you are failing at this, you know, being, you know, good people, you, you, you know, like, and I thought that was very interesting of saying underlying, like, you know, for your own standards, you fail. Mm-hmm. And, and that, I, I thought that was really cool. Well, I, I think, Paul, what I love about what you're saying is too often organizations, communities, societies can take this this stance that we really are idealized. We know best, right? Mm-hmm. You should pay attention to us. You should follow us. You should be like us. And what's interesting about Star Trek is we know that by the time we get to TNG, by the time we get to Voyager, for the most part, the Federation is, is such a pinnacle that it that it is it does become this utopia, if you will, right? Like we talk about the idea that there's no money, there's no hunger, there, like there's all these things have been eliminated, and so we seek after like, man, I want to be a part of that society. Well, in order to get there, what you need is you need challenge. You need someone like the Illyrians to come in and say. Yeah, you talk a good game, but what are you really doing? Like, look at, like, really challenging their beliefs. And it's that iron sharpening iron that allows you to actually change and grow. And I think that's what was so fascinating to me is, to your point, she came in there and said, you talk all this stuff that you believe, but let me point out all the ways that you fail. But not in a condemning way, but in a, here's your opportunity like, to do actually to do better. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that challenge of like, do better. When, when that comes from a peer, it's different than when it comes from someone you don't, 
you, you don't exactly respect, right? Or someone you look down upon. Sure. When it comes from a peer or a mentor and they're like, do better, it challenges you. And I felt like the Federation at this moment was challenged to become the society that they will become one day. Yeah. And I mean, we also see, you know, I, th- I thought they did a good job of weaving in the fact that often it is fear at the root of a lot of these um, these issues, right? It's fear of changes. It's fear of the unknown. And like um, Una is a great character to kind of display how she took fear and, and instead challenged it within herself to expand and become a better person. And in turn, she's asking the Federation to look at how it is looking at its own fears based on history, based on um you know, things that have happened to them in the past, but understand that you can't always have sweeping rules in place um, that's going to continue to benefit all of these societies, right? Um, I think in the same way that we often today see fear of, um, you know, immigrants, quote unquote, coming into different countries and asylum seekers. And and I'm really glad that ultimately it ended with an asylum seeking kind of storyline, because I mm-hmm. think that is one of the most prominent things kind of happening currently and to no one's surprise here, you know, I always love when Trek is making commentary on what's happening right now. So Mariah, what do you think of Marge's comment here? How does Lon get a pass? Well, so she, she's descended from those people, but she's not actually genetically modified. Um, But I, I, that was another scene I particularly enjoyed was between, um, Leon and uh, Nira was when she was like, just because you're descended from people who have done violence does not mean that you in turn will do the same thing. Um, And I thought that was a really wonderful moment between the two of them. Um, Yeah. I really liked it. Yeah. I felt like she spoke life into Leon. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it, it, it almost like something broke in her, right. This, this secret, this worry that she was carrying, like sometimes you just need someone to, to speak into you that thing that you've been fearing and, and, and holding on to so that it can break off and you can, you can move a little differently. And I felt like that's what happened in that moment. Lon was like, no, I'm not a monster. Like these things that people fear about me or fear about my lineage, my name mm-hmm. is not who I am. Yeah. I, um, I did want to ask y'all, and this could just be me always searching for what I want to see in Star Trek, but did you think there was a vibe between Una and Mira? <laughs> There's a lot of extended hand-holding. There is a lot of extended <laughs> hand-holding. Uh, and some, like, longing looks. <laughs> like, like, the answer is, like, maybe. Right. I was like, it, this it, could, be, it could be, like, the start of something, or it could be absolutely well, nothing. But... <laughs> well, like, 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 they were really close friends, right? Right. Uh, and ultimately, like, uh, B and I were having a discussion and goes like, you know, why didn't uh, Nira like go to the non uh, Ilarian side? Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what, you know, I, I can't see her, uh, her modifications. And, and I go like, well, she talks about how not everyone uh, could hide it or choose to hide it. And I think right. like she, she had the option of choosing to hide it and she didn't. And that's what probably is, you know, why they broke up as friends because, mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, there was a fundamental disagreement about that. That said, like, you know, like, you know, she was a kid. Right. I was like, it seems like your family's really made this choice, which which I understand can breed that, like, it was probably also resentment of, like, Mm -hmm. oh, you got to keep your identity and go live in hiding, and my family chose to kind of, like, stay. Yeah. Um, and, And I can see how that resentment builds, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's 
for me, I didn't get a, a chemistry thing. I thought they were best friends. Mm. Um, like they were like family. And the parallels that I was drawing in my head is it's like, it, it's, it's, this is just kind of how I, I, I felt it, I'll say. Is it's two people who grew up in, in a neighborhood, in an impoverished community, and they're really close. And as they're going through, you know, these hardships, they lean on each other. And then at one point, one one family gets to get the pass. Mm-hmm. They get they get they get a pass. They get to leave, right? They get to they get to pretend for a little while that they're not who they are, right? And it's kind of like wow. It, there's this resentment, almost a. In order for me to be able to do what I have to do, I've got to. You're almost dead to me, like you've done something. And and maybe you didn't do it on purpose, but you're living this life, this life that is a lie and completely contradicts who I am, right? And my and struggle. I thought it was and my struggle. And I thought, mm-hmm. like, I'm just gonna put it out there. Like from a, a race standpoint, when you know, in the African community the African American community, when we think about colorism, right? So and bullish. your complexion, right? Look, yeah. look, if you meet me, you know I'm a black man. Right. But I got to tell you, there are people in my family who you might not be so sure about. (laughs) And so that ability, like, oh, well, you don't really understand what it's been like. Like, I think that can tear at people. And I think that's what I saw. And and this Mm -hmm. was an episode where they they came back together and go, oh, I'm seeing you a little differently because your experience isn't what I fantasized it to be to be like. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think they were uh, not thinking about that as well, Clyde, when they cast, you know, like mm-hmm. the the actress to play opposite um, Rebecca Romaine, because I think there is like that conversation of privilege and like they kept using the terms like passing and like being able to, um, you know, what does that look like when you don't look like the community that you're um, a part of that is that is being oppressed. Right. And and what does that look like within privilege um, within society? So I thought. Yeah, to, to, to agree to your point. I don't think that, I think there was purposeful casting done <laughs> for this episode to kind of bring that forward as well. Um, so, so let me ask you guys this. So, so like, like, obviously the episode is really great. There's a great metaphor, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. Now, let's say you're the Federation. Do you allow genetic modification? Oh, I, I, I think that it's like, I, it's almost similar to the conversations we're having around AI right now, obviously in a very different way, but it's like, what are we putting in place to safeguard things? And like, I think it's something that is more complicated than just a yes or a no. Right. We're actually on the cusp right now. We we have CRISPR. We can, we can genetically tailor at will now, like targeted editing. And like, you know, we, we can, you know, I could get the best you know, person who has the best endurance uh, for art cardio endurance or longevity and strength and also just make one super soldier person and then just like, you know, just repeat that. Does that person just do so much better in a society and his or her lineage just like keeps on perfect, you know, until we wipe out everything and then we lose all diversity? I don't know. That, that That's what they're afraid of, right? Right. Yeah. That is the slippery slope of it all, right? Is it like, oh, we found a way to remove the cancer gene. Like that mm-hmm. sounds incredible. And like, you know, mm-hmm. that sounds great. But then is it And like, now you get cheaper life insurance or, or you, you get cheaper like, you know, medical insurance because you don't have the cancer gene. Yeah, right. but that's a f- long way away from going, all right, I'm going to now eliminate all short people. 
Right. Or, or is it is it that long way? Because like as a parent, would you go like, oh, you know what? I I have the ability. Like this is this is uh, what you. I call think it? it's also within the formation of capitalism we're in right now. Right? Oh, sure. Who's going to afford these things at the well, like, moment? You know like, what I mean? Like like, <laughs> like we're we're at the cusp of Gattaca right now, right? Right. That's like, what I know, was thinking too, Paul. Yeah, the, 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 mm-hmm. we're definitely there. Like you know, like and there, like there are the United States is is one that goes like, oh, there won't be genetic modification on you know on humans. That's we're not going to do that. But we know that's happening, right? right. <laughs> Somewhere like, around. Rich people are doing all of those things. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. So we're already living in it. Like, you know, yeah. I, I'm just saying we, 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 it just hasn't hit that peak yet. So, like, you know, like, I understand why the Federation chooses to do what it does. It, it's, oh, 100%. And, and Cisco says it's best, you know, like in Space Nine, uh, they say it best. Like, you know, it's not a perfect solution. But, it, you know, at the time, it seemed to be the best one that we had. Right. And I do think there is an interesting conversation, though, for for folks like Una, right? Like, Una did not choose to have these genetic modifications uh, mm-hmm. done to her, right? Like, it was just a part of what she was born into. And I do think that is, like, uh, you know, are you persecuting the people who continue to do these things that uh, might in turn devolve into um, uh devastation and war or is it like you know like are you always answering for the the sins of your of your ancestors right sure. like what does that look like throughout yeah. time and what are you always trying to try to push forward totally like in, in Bashir you know like when when we deal with Bashir in Deep Space Nine like his dad took the dad took the heat mm-hmm. like it's, yeah. you know it's, it's always just like you know but like I, I look at it and you know like if I were a parent you know and I had the option of like picking the whole like you know, you know con uh, you know buffet. I go like yeah, you know like you know live longer, be stronger, be smarter, be faster, like all, all all that stuff. Like you, you wouldn't you want that for your kid? I don't know. I don't know. I don't like, know. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I I don't think I would, but I also am not someone who who uh, wants to have children. So I like I fully can't answer that question. I mean, you know, but I'd like to think I wouldn't. If, if there's only a father on the podcast who could who could speak to that, like you know, we, so, a person, don't put this all on poor Clyde. No, 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 it's, for it's, all it's, parents right now. <laughs> In my life, I have been asked to answer for all of insert people oh, group many right. times, but this this is not going to be that case. Mm-hmm. What I will say is, it's interesting because one of the conversations that's been happening in my household this week is my children, particularly my five year old, um, has been asking me like whose nose does does my nose look like right mm-hmm. who you know whose ear so he's he's starting to notice and so we're having this conversation and to your point like look i'll be honest i i have sleep apnea um not as bad as one of my sisters right but it's it's kind of clear to me that a little bit about my the way my nose is does not necessarily help that so if you're asking me, would I eliminate that? I'm not sure because it's also my nose, right? And so I kind of want, I like the idea that my children have, you know, you know, maybe they have, you know, my wife's nose and my ears or things like that. Like, I don't know that I want to eliminate those things that make us who, who we are, right? There are things that, yeah, there's some, some health characteristics that are part of my genealogy that we want to be careful of. 
you know, it, it, I don't know that there's an easy answer. Well, mm-hmm. well like there's there's this. Marathon. But I don't want it to be. I think what I don't want is designer genetics. Mm-hmm. But, but like, right? like, and my question is like, why don't you want that? Because I, I, I'll go full lore. I'll go full dark side. Okay, there's this guy out there. Like, and it, I saw he he has a mutation where he basically doesn't create lactic acid in the same way, so that like he can just run forever. He's basically Captain America as far as like. Uh, you know, wouldn't you want your kid to have that? But like, what other purpose does lactic acid provide? I feel like a lot of these things that people uh, are I'm, like, I'm, get rid of this thing, but then it's like, uh, like I, I, what, I hear what, you. What is the full domino effect? And I don't know but, if we know the full domino effect. This is this is fair, but like you know, but give us a hundred years, and we could probably get a better picture. And then at that point, when would, wouldn't you want the buffet designer gene kind of? I don't know. I guess here's the thing is at this point i don't trust people enough to be honest with you mm-hmm. sure right i feel like people have a way to weaponize just about everything right and i i you know if you'd asked me 20 years ago my answer might be different but now i'm 20 years older and what i see is people have weaponized everything around them like turn it into a uh, a sales funnel mm-hmm. right a way sure. to distinguish this group from that group. I mean, literally here in LA, we had a whole group of people that were lying and cheating to get their children into college. Like people will weaponize everything. And so if you're asking me, do I want to enter into a world where people are weaponizing genetics? No, I think we're going to end up in the eugenics. I think that's exactly where we're headed. I think that's ultimately, though, the, the base answer, though, Paul, is I would say no, because we live in a society that ultimately is uh, controlled by, uh, like, if we were in, I was like, this is so many what ifs to get to anywhere mm-hmm. close. Sure, but sure, it's sure. like, if it was a, a place where we're saying, like, I, I just feel like it's then going to be like, oh, is there potential that my child might be disabled? Like, in that eliminate, like, to me, that is not uh, a world I want to live in where we're eliminating all diversity of people and thoughts and ideas and experiences of this world. And the other thing is ultimately the people who are going to be in control of this technology are probably going to be white supremacist pieces of shit. And it's just going to end terribly because we've seen what happens when people think there's one particular way that is stronger, right? Because who's to say what what genetics, quote unquote, are strongest? Like, I, I, I'm disappointed because you, you think it's going to be a white supremacist, but I really trust, you know, the, the mercilessness <laughs> of Asians. <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry, Genghis Khan, Asian. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh lord but, okay but, but the, the the point being is like you know like so i i do really understand why the federation picks this right it, like, like, like i it, i, I it, think it, the ending is smart when they say you can't make a full blanketed statement in regards to uh illyrians in regards to people who have been genetically modified like it, it's gonna have to be that like uh, and like the final, you know, big speech from the judges table was like, it's got to be nuanced. It's complicated. You know, there is no one perfect answer. Right. There rarely is. And, right. you know, I had a mentor who once told me, he said, you, you can't give a thin answer to a thick problem, but that's what we try to do all the time is we try to, we try to give this tweet, right. This bullet point to something that's crazy complicated 
And I think this is one of those things where you have to really look into and it's probably a case by case basis. And you have to look for, you know, where it makes sense and where it doesn't. But to Paul's point, I understand why they're saying, hey, this is this is why we've set the standard. And again, I think it's based out of fear. And the question that they have to the Federation has to ask themselves is, are we ready? Now, I ultimately think we kind of sort of get there at some point because I mean, data is data is all augmentation if you think about it. No, like he's the, completely the, synthetic. And we get to mm-hmm. a point where, you know, well, but then like, you like, have the synthetics war. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is this is a, a situation that's not gonna that's not gonna be resolved anytime soon. Like it's gonna uh, evolve if, if anything. I mm-hmm. mean, ultimately, we've seen where this ends up, where where it gets to the ultimate life form, and it's peanut hamper. There it is. Phaser set to Clyde. Also, <laughs> also completely synthetic. But I mean, to your actually. Paul, when you said that, what I thought was the Borg, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The Borg is ultimately like, we're going to be one master race. We're going to assimilate all things. We're going to take what we want. We're going to discard the stuff. We're, we're discard the stuff that we want, we don't want. And we're going to make ourselves, I mean, we're literally going to augment ourselves to have a hive mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough thing because like, you know, there's in the span of human history, there's always been a version of survival of the fittest, right? We're all, right. you know, like, and so the, what what people don't like is when it goes like, oh, you aren't the fittest, so you die. <laughs> people don't like the sound of that for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, well, I think you then, is it really the, f- I don't know. It's uh, It's like, then is it really the fittest? Because then you're lacking pers- so much perspective if it's always just one perspective, right? Well, I, I like, like, like I, I look at myself and I go like, oh man, before I turned like 47 or whatever, I had 15, 20 vision, which is pretty good. It's pretty good. Like, you know, I, I, I could have made an archer, you know, but in today's day and age, great vision no advantage. <laughs> got, I got no use out of my vision, aside from like you know, no, no glasses for forty some years. And now, now you know, so like you know, like, like, so, so when you say like you know, survival of fittest, it really depends on whatever. Absolutely, this is an example of where here, here is a genetic, uh, whatever, a genetic advantage that means nothing in this context. Like you know, when do you need perfect vision? You, you know, nowadays you you don't right. I mean, because we've made glasses exactly. an acceptable form of uh, of uh, of um, uh, I'm losing the word that I'm trying to say, but um, like having to wear glasses is an accept is like a quote unquote acceptable disability in society, right? Sure, sure, yeah. Like, mm. uh, and now they they even accept LASIK in uh, fighter pilots before they didn't do that, and, and now right. they do. So, like you know, like our, our technology, like you know, but we're still. You know, we're still picking traits to to permeate into the future. Like it might not be vision, might not be the important trait anymore. It might be compassion, for example, or empathy. That might be more going forward. But like we're always picking something, and what by picking something we're losing something generally because there's only so many kids that are going to be born. It's just an interesting. It's an interesting mm-hmm. way to look at it. You know, like uh, I, it's it's it, we're trying to save everyone. 
And I don't know if everyone gets saved because of how... Wow, this is really dark. I apologize, everyone. Yeah, I'm so goddamn, Paul. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm really... Like, you know, sometimes, like, you know, I go nonlinear a little bit. Anyway, you know, I, 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 back in the penalty box. <laughs> You're fine. I mean, you know, it, I think that's why these episodes, like so many of the Trek courtroom episodes, I think hold such a place for so many fans, right? Is because they spark these, like, mm-hmm. very deep, long conversations about... Um, what makes us all human is mm-hmm. is usually at the core of what a lot of these uh, sure, sure. these episodes are, and like what is life, what does life mean, mm-hmm. um, and and what is like the soul of a person. So I think it is is bound to get dark. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> bound to get dark. Because <laughs> what is what is life without darkness to show us the lightness? That's right. right. Uh, there you go. Like the contrast, the light. Yep. Yep. But I like um, the happy stuff. Yeah, the happy stuff is nice. So speaking of some happy stuff, I thought there was some cool production things um, I just wanted to share. So the set was is actually the um, Federation headquarters from Discovery. So they reused oh, that set. Good, good, good. Um, and added the rosewood paneling. And apparently all of those sculptures behind them mm-hmm. of like court scenes were all like hand sculpted and painted to give it kind of that warmth regally tone to it um so i thought that was cool and then the chair which has the glowy light on it is a a tos um reference to the courtroom uh for court martial um and it was kind of like a bit of a lie detector which i thought was interesting in uh in federation you know sort of canon that we've decided that a, a, an on an on chair lie detector is is necessary for perjury you know it, it's great because it, it's it's canon it's all in the tos right like uh you have two episodes like you know there's the menagerie where they do that mm-hmm. and then there's that episode where scotty is framed for murder by some entity oh yeah um what else oh and then um the person on like the main court council, the character Zeus Tagol is played by David Benjamin Thompson, who also plays Linus on Discovery. Um, he's played a lot of uh, deep mm. makeup characters. So I thought that was, mm. yep, good old Sneezy yeah, Linus. Sneezy Linus. Sneezy Linus. And then I felt like there was something else. Um, oh, just a shout out to Bernadette Croft. Like I've said, I loved all the costumes in this episode. And <laughs> she's the costume designer. Um so I thought that was really good. Um, yeah, I mean, the the thing that I liked the most was like uh, of this episode was kind of Una's speech about how seeing a diverse cast of or diverse crew of people from a starship gave her hope that she could one day be in the stars. And I was like, oh, dang, they're being like, this is why Star Trek is important, y'all. <laughs> this, this, this is little, You see this nose? Let's be on it. Right there. We're going to be right there. Um, I did also think it was interesting and, you know, this could be me reading like far too into it, but the fact that they, you know, I, I know it's like the, uh, the story of Una. So it's like whoever they cast as Una was going to be portraying this, but it is interesting that it's like, you know, a a white woman, uh, presenting white woman is used as this like big civil rights push of like, oh, this is our ideal version of this person for us to be able to make these court cases happen. And so often that is true. It's like a lot of civil rights cases, if the person who they're bringing to like the Supreme Court isn't like the squeakiest, cleanest person, you know, Mm -hmm. like I remember when marriage equality was going forward, it was like, oh, this is a couple, like it was this lesbian couple who had been together for like 50 years. It was like, how idealized of this person Mm -hmm. can we be, you know, and like, 
you know, it can't be a messy person to come and represent, you know, the the rights of humanity at the court. Because messy um, people don't deserve rights, apparently. Apparently, but you know, luckily the squeaky clean people give us messy people some rights. But it, it, it I thought it was an interest. I don't know if they meant it, but I found it to be an interesting commentary in parallel. But. Yeah. I think it just fell in their lap, you know, like they, you know, Una was going to be like, it was play. she was played by Ron Barry's wife, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, Michelle so, Barron. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so like it, to keep the canon. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. No, 100%. So it was like we knew we were eventually going to get there. But I, I, you know, kind of going back to what uh, you were mentioning, Clyde, about, you know, I think there was like definitely a purpose to in them casting Nira and like mm-hmm. having that parallel between the two characters there of like the one who got out and the one who didn't and who's yeah. had to struggle to get where they are a little bit more than the other. So I thought that was interesting. Um, what else in this episode, y'all? It was a, I got a question for you. Yeah. It's, uh, we'll say it's, it covers the first two episodes. We haven't said his name. Do you guys miss Hemmer, the former chief of engineering? You know, I miss the companionship he provided for Ahura in some ways. And I felt like he definitely had like a lot of great character perspective. I think it's still a little early in the season for me to decide. It is like definitely a miss in the bigger ensemble moments because I think he had some really great humor and usually had some really great lines as a character. But um, but yeah, I haven't you know, decided as of yet. Uh, for me, uh, Clyde, no. Yeah. <laughs> I think also I'm, gonna... I'm still excited about Pe- Pela. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, so I thought I was going to miss him. Like when, when he, when he died, mm-hmm. I was like, how could you do this? Like, how does this work? What are you going to do? How do you replace him? But here we are with the second episode and I barely remember. Right. And, and what I had to ask myself was, Okay, well, why is that the case? And so I started to realize is that I wasn't really excited about this, you know, grumpy, curmudgeon chief engineer. Like, typically, if you think about the engineers, uh, you know, Belana Torres mm-hmm. aside, they yeah, typically are. Belana Torres. <laughs> I, no, I love Belana, but I think Belana was different in the fact that they, they usually are big energy people. Mm. Right. Like they're, they're, they're kind of, they're an interesting culture carrier of the, the cast. And I just don't know if him or had that. Right. Cause, mm. And so I'm looking at Pela and going, oh man, she, she feels like she's going to fit right in. I could see how you can go from her to a Scotty. Mm. Right to an eventually a Jordy. Like they're they're people that you root for and you like and they're a little quirky, but ultimately you want to be around them. Um and so I'm, you know, and I was just thinking back to like those cafeteria scenes and looking like this is the crew. Mm-hmm. And, you know, except for, you know, the one person on the con whose name I can't remember because, you know, she's new. And to Paul's question last week, what does she do? Mm. Um Largely, I'm looking like this is the family. This is the family that Una was talking about. And Pela seems like she fits into that family. I'm very curious about how they evolve her character over the next few weeks. Like, for me, like, to to, to go on that, like, do you guys ever watch Parks and Rec? Yeah. So, 
do you remember the first two seasons? Like we we didn't have Adam Scott, we didn't have Rob Lowe, we had Paul Schrader, a guy who plays the yeah. the 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 engineer, an engineer. Funny enough, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and so, like, I think it's actually very hard to uh, create a curmudgeon character if you want to hang out with people. Like, it, it's not, it's not because mm-hmm. like. It's not easy to go like, oh, I want to hang out with that bummer. It, it can be done, but like you know, but like it's really, it, it's not a very easy type to have, especially if you want to hang out with an ensemble. Because like, n- name a bummer that you like to watch. You know, like uh, I got one. Like you know, House maybe. You know, House, but but House is so smart and he's so funny and he's so cutting and he's the main character that like you know that. Uh, that you accept him. So if there was a show called Hemmer, like, and he was, you know, just like, you know, in the engineering and you saw him just like shoot people down and like with his like blind stare, uh, like, I think that would be it. But like in an ensemble, I don't think it works as well. Paul, I like your point. It's like, if you're going to be, for lack of a better word, the grumpy jerk, you're so good at what you, what you do that you're the star. Right. And everybody else kind of orbits around you mm-hmm. and puts up with the, the grumpiness because at some point you're going to wow everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. That is your house. That is your bull. That is like these characters yeah. where you're just like. That's the only gonna, reason why like, people like hang out with me, because I'm just so good <laughs> at everything I do. And they, they deal with my cuttingness. And my <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, I feel like a little curmudgeonly is never too bad, but yeah, to, to your point, I don't think they ever play like a big part in a larger ensemble. I was going to say April Ludgate gives that kind of vibe as far as the Parks and Rec thing. And then like Ron Swanson also has like the begrudging kind of yeah, grumpiness, you know what I mean? But it's like... Hilarious though. Like, right. It's, so it's like, it's got to be the that The satire balance. is off the charts though with, with Ron Swanson. Right. But that's also a comedy. So it's like everything has to be mm-hmm. heightened to a certain mm-hmm. degree for that to work in that way. But um, but yeah, we'll see how... I feel like Pella, uh, she can really bring the laughs, I think, because yeah. no, she I, seems I, like a very quirky character. So I'll be excited to like, see. I feel like they're... Have they're, fun storming the castle. <laughs> exactly. I, I feel like they're just making friends. In space. Friends in space. I, mean, that's what, I feel like that's what they're doing. Because, like, everyone's getting their moments. And mm-hmm. it's all, like, real. Like, just like the cafeteria scene was so on point for what it needed for longevity as far as, like, for the series. It's like, like, like here's just two people eating, like, a meal together, watching another crewmate and just fucking around. Whoops. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and, and it, it's just so, it, it speaks to, like, you know, the coffee shop of friends or whatever, you know, just just the hangout of uh yeah i i think they're doing the ensemble nature of this show is definitely my favorite part because uh and i saw someone on twitter posted this it was like yet another episode where we didn't see like a ton of pike right and i'm not like oh my god i miss pike why is pike you know it's like i'm really enjoying having all of this all of these amazing characters to kind of have fun with and and go on a ride with yeah it it makes me hope and i know this probably won't happen it makes me hope that this will be the Star Trek show that they don't have a season number in their head. 
Right. I mean, they could easily, yeah, go on for for quite a long time, especially because, like, you know, it's uh, you don't have to keep jumping in time very far to to keep the adventures rolling. Um, and I I did see like next week. Um, I don't know if you all watched the preview in the the ready room, but we're finally getting some uh, some Kirk action on the bridge. But it looks like it might Not be a little bit of a, a timey whiny adventure. So um, timey whiny, great, great, great. Yeah. Star Trek never goes with back a timey in time. whiny whiny adventure that never happens. I know, never ever. Um, hey, here's here's all I got to say about that. Mm-hmm. Hey, Lon, how you doing? Sup, Lon. Lon so. is doing good, looking good, having a great season thus far. I think. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Um, anything else, y'all? Uh, I think uh, I think I've overstayed my welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Again. <laughs> It's uh, probably time for us all to beam out of this podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. We will be back next week to talk even more strange new worlds, which Kirk, PW, you asked, um, uh, um, not Sam Kirk, <laughs> James Tiberius Kirk <laughs> will be on the bridge. Um, but good, good question. Uh, yes, yeah, so- Kirk. JT Kirk. <laughs> JT Kirk will be back as we will be next week. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple and Spotify. Visit StarTrekPod.co to find links to that in our Patreon. Share the show with a friend. We appreciate it. Um, Clyde, where can people find us on the internets? At Star Trek Pod. Do it on Twitter. We're still over there, even though it's a dumpster fire every day. But, you know, we're sharing, we're sharing some fun memes. We're it, sharing it. some thoughts. It's a, it's a core. It's a core breach. There's a core breach happening, but we're trying to we're trying to hold on for dear life as we can. We'll see you all next time. Live long and prosper. Bye-bye. Bye bye, everyone. Not my Kirk.